Well, good evening, everyone. I'm not sure if that's any better. We're broadcasting live May 7th. Today's quote is about water. From the Melinda Panha, which is um, probably, a, I would say, an underappreciated source of insight. It's much later, many years after the Buddha passed away. I think at least a few hundred, maybe more. Um, but it's uh, very well written very well organized and it's got much that is insightful about the Buddha's teaching. It's a lot of questions. It's the questions of King Melinda or Meneander, I think, is a Greek king, is, is identified with a Greek king who, who conquered India or something. And uh, so the, he came in contact with these Buddhist monks and asked them all sorts of questions and most of them couldn't answer the question and so they directed him to uh, Nagasena <clears throat> a very well learned monk who was skilled in debate and skilled in oration and skilled in answering questions so it's many, many questions. It's quite a large volume. It's actually available on the internet, an old translation, but um, pretty good. You can find it at sacred texts, sacred-texts.org. Worth reading. But this is about water. Um, it's a comparison, and he has a lot. Of, he makes a lot of comparisons in the book. He he, he talks about nibbana, nirvana using a lot of different comparisons, similes. But here he's talking about a meditator. Let's see if we can find the word for student of meditation. So the question is, apasa pancha angani gahita bhāniti? Katamanitani pancha angani gahita bhāniti? Oh, he's, yeah, it's a, um, I think it's part of a larger text. So he's, he's asking what are the five, what are the five ways, five things, factors of water that one should, could, should grasp, should take up. So how should one be like water? I just want to find the word. Oh, yoga, yoga vachara, yoga vachara. Someone who is practicing yoga, basically. So this is what yoga was. How the word yoga was used. Yoga was used for to mean exertion. But yoga vachara is a word that came to mean. It's probably adopted from Hinduism. But it was used in Buddhism to mean uh, someone who is 
on the spiritual path, someone who is exerting themselves. They also call them a yogi. So we, we in Thai, they use this word a lot. They call meditators yogis. Yogi, they, they, they change it, but the word. Someone who has practiced yoga is a yogi. Uh, but it doesn't mean yoga in the modern sense. Yoga just means one who, because it comes from the word yug, which means, yuj, which means to be connected. It's actually where I think the word yutta comes from, from my name. Yutta meaning a yoke, so the ox would have a yoke and would be tied to some tied to the work, you know. So we're comparing water to such a person. How should such a person, someone who is undertaking the training of the Buddha, morality, concentration, wisdom, how should they be like water? Water is a good good object for comparison. Why? Because water is naturally calm. Water is something that is still, smooth, uh, has a reflection in the sense of uh, being f uh, perfectly smooth and, and unshaken. In the same way, a meditator should be like a pool of water, dispelling trickery, cajolery, insinuation, and dissembling. Should be well poised, unshaken, untroubled, and quite pure by nature. Water, to us humans, water is like the purest substance. It's what we survive on. We need water to survive. We're just funny. We're just talking about water today. I was uh, at McMaster University at the Peace Studies booth. We were talking to pretend to uh, prospective students about the Peace Studies program, and uh, we're talking about water because the Peace Studies department has has gotten interested in the water situation. <coughs> And, uh, you know, it's about social, it's the social justice aspect of peace studies. I'm not really involved in it. But, um, so they're, they're trying to address the issue like in Flint, Michigan, and the issue with the First Nations people here, and not having clean water to drink and to use, having polluted water, having their water contaminated with chemicals and... Um, toxins and uh, we we're talking about Taoism and this, one of the, the people working at the booth had quite a conversation with her about many things but one of them was water how water is uh, water is basically this so I think she'd be interested in this quote she'd probably send it to her water is pure water is unshaken water is calm Water is nurturing, I think she would say, because she's into this idea of nurturing. She sees it as sort of a feminine uh, quality. So we were talking about feminism and feminine qualities and masculine qualities. Compassion being masculine, uh, being feminine. I mean, 
traditionally being understood. But, you know, we both were trying to avoid the words feminine and masculine, but <clears throat> talking about the different energies in the world. How we live in a, a very quote-unquote masculine uh, world, you know, and so there's a certain type of energy that one might call masculine, hard. In the end, we use the words hard and soft, aggressive, maybe. Water is not these things, so fire and water, you might say. But um, you know, here it's water is purity, water is clarity, water is calm. So the first one is this unshaken. As a meditator, we should be unshaken by the vicissitudes of life, by the experiences in our meditation, because they'll try to shake you. And then they'll shake you again, and they'll shake you in new and different ways every all the time. The things will change, and then that way that they change will change. Right? You have to be constant, you have to be adaptive and flexible. You have to be clever, and you have to be present. Because as soon as you become static, you get carried away by, uh, by the vicissitudes of life. The second one is water is poised and naturally cool. And so uh, yoga vachara should be compassionate, should be possessed of patience, should be cool in this way. Patience, love, and mercy. And they should not be hot-headed, they should not be quick to anger, they should not be irritable, should not be impatient. Patience is very important. Patience with yourself, patience with other people, patience... And patience with things you want as well, not just immediately giving up to up, uh, and being controlled by your desires. Uh, as water makes the impure pure, even so one should be pure, one should have no faults, one should not have any reason to be reprimanded by the wise. Wise people should not be able to censure one, no matter where they are, in private or in public. They should be pure in their deeds, in their speech. As water is wanted by everyone, even so a meditator should be, should be the kind of person who is appreciated. You should work to make yourself um, not a burden, not a source of irritation for others, because this is problematic both for others and for yourself. It creates suffering. Obviously, you should not be such a person. You should think of water as being uh, water as being valuable, as being pure. Whenever someone someone sees pure water. Uh, There's no something negative about water, and it's very, very much desired and appreciated.
We should be like water in that way. And finally, water troubles no one. Well, it's kind of the same. So the first one is uh, people think positively, and the, the next one is people should not think negatively. Don't think negatively of water, they think positively of it. So Yogavachara should not do anything wrong that makes others unhappy. Water doesn't hurt people. Well, still water doesn't. Water actually can be quite troubled, troublesome in certain instances. You can drown with water. Water can scald you if it's too hot. But here this the connection, the, the comparison is with a still forest pool, calm water, pure water. It is valuable and appreciated. I mean, it's a good imagery. It's the kind of thing that we can think of when you want to think of what kind of a person you, you'd like to be. As a meditator, what should I be? And water is something. It comes easily to mind, of course, because it's so much a part of our lives. And when you think about the purity of water and the stillness of a, of a pool of water, the, the smoothness of the, of the surface, you think about the cleansing nature of water. You think about how precious it is, how perfect it is. Something to aspire for, aspire towards. Anyway. So, a little bit of Dhamma. Today, as I said, we were at, I was at McMaster. And then we went to see a new house. I'm thinking about moving to a new house just to get more rooms because we have many people wanting to come and meditate here. Uh, so we're looking at, we went to look at a house we're talking about. We're going to try to look at several different houses and see which one is most suitable. One today was good. Um, actually, maybe a little smaller than this house, but uh, but more rooms. So I'll have to think about whether it might feel a little claustrophobic because it's small. People have to stay here for a long time. Maybe they need more space. You know, you pack a lot of people into one small house. I'll have to think about that. Anyway, any questions? your thoughts on the new Kadampa Buddhism. I don't have any thoughts on new Kadampa Buddhism. I kind of like to shy away and I'm happy that I don't know things about many things because otherwise, as happened with the Lotus Sutra, I tend to be somewhat uh, opinionated. So I kind of try to avoid questions like, what do you think of X unless X is something within our tradition? Pretty sure it's Tibetan. 
But yeah, if a Google search returns many results claiming that something is a cult, it's a good reason to be wary. You should start your own center, start, start your own group. Have people, invite people over to your house, start a meetup. Go to meetup.com and start a meditation group. And then you can come on our hangout, you can broadcast and I can lead you, you can, can lead you in meditation or something give a talk to your group. Everyone should start groups in their own area. We can have this big network. We all meditate together. We call it the new Siri Mangalo Buddhism. New Siri, the Siri Mangalo tradition. When we're doing walking meditation with our kids, is it as, as effective if they like to walk at a much faster pace? Um, probably not. I would say walking meditation for young kids is difficult because they tend to be impatient. Um, you know, I'd, if you want to teach kids how to meditate, it depends on their age, I suppose, but absolutely they shouldn't walk fast. It's not about walking, it's about being aware of the movements of the feet. It's not, um, not an easy thing. I mean, kids tend to be too much, very excited and, and full of energy and they have a hard time being patient. So if you, know, if you can teach them patience, that'd be awesome. But walking meditation requires patience. So that's really the question. Can your kids develop patience? Because you have to walk slowly. You need to develop patience. They're walking fast because they're impatient. I would think. When I meditate, I feel claustrophobic. Well, have you read my booklet on how to meditate? If you haven't, I, that's where I'd recommend you start. Might help with your claustrophobia. Because if you feel that, it might be, a, it's fear, right? Phobia. Uh, so then you would say afraid, afraid, or worried, worried, or anxious, anxious. But if you haven't read my booklet, I recommend that. Why I avoid these kind, you know, I, I haven't really done so much to answer your question. I haven't talked about, I don't talk about details because it's actually quite simple to, 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 to fix if you're practicing the meditation as I teach, as we teach. Um, so there's not like any special tips for things like claustrophobia. I mean, the thing is, these things don't, these, these conditions don't exist. You feel fear. Um, and, and that's the key, is that there's a feeling of fear that arises. And so the practice that we, fo we follow would be to say to yourself, afraid, afraid. 
but uh, should read my booklet. It sort of, I hope, I think it outlines that in fairly good detail. Any other questions? I'm really serious about this starting Dhamma groups in your area. You know, I think it'd be great. And we can do like once a week, we could all meet online and I could give a talk. Or you could just do whatever day of the week and just come on at 9 p.m. with your group and uh, join our hangout. Of course, I suppose some people don't want their meditation broadcast on the internet. I suppose there's that. Well, one day a week we could do a private hangout. It wouldn't have to be broadcast on the internet, although it's nice to have the internet community involved. Anyway, it's something to think about. I have done that, though, um, private uh, Skype calls to groups like there was a group in texas who wanted me to lead them in meditation once a week and i've done online stuff like that it's worth thinking about okay and then i'll say good night tomorrow mother's day we i'm going to mississauga for the sri lankan wisaka celebration wisaka puja celebration Visaka Punami, the full moon of the month of Visaka. Anyway, have a good night.